0: Invitations are wonderful things. I love to get invited to really cool things. Um, one of the best invitations that I ever got was on the Fourth of July two years ago. Uh, a, a workmate of Didi's Dee is uh, turns out to be. I, I think I just want to show you the picture. I was invited to this place. Does anybody know where that is? That is. Forrest Lucas's Mansion, if I said Lucas Oil Stadium, yeah, that's his house. That's one of his houses. And uh, Dee, Dee works with his niece, and they were going to be there for the weekend by themselves and said, hey, why don't y'all just come over and see us? So I'm like, well, absolutely, let's go see that place. So I was allowed to walk throughout the mansion. I'm pretty sure I got to see things I wasn't supposed to see. And uh, that place is pretty amazing. They have a swimming pool. I was invited to swim in the swimming pool. I didn't um, go swimming in the swimming pool. But I did sit on the back patio and ate burgers off of Forrest Lucas's grill and ate uh, some munchies over the, the counter in his kitchen. It's a beautiful home. It's a really very cool place. Just the feeling I had as I was driving up the drive, you know, Dee and I are getting ready to go see these wonderful people, and I'm like, what am I doing here? This is just so big and huge. Um, So that was a really, really neat invitation, and and, um, we have an invitation to go back. I think that may happen in the next year or so, so I'm looking forward to that. That was one great invitation that I got, and about two months ago, I was asked if I would like, I was given another invitation. I I grew up a big fan of the rock and roll band Styx. Any Styx fans out there? Absolutely. Um, Come sail away. So, so... You know, when I went off to Bible college and they, I took my Styx albums with me, I had all the, the goody two-shoe Christians coming up to me telling me I was going to hell because I was listening to rock and roll music. I didn't listen to them. Uh, but I've always liked that band. And so about two months ago, I was extended an invitation to be the runner, which is basically sounds like what it is. I go, if the band needs something, I have to go get it for them. So I served the band. I got to be backstage. And uh, I want to show you my seats for the Stix concert uh, that night. Where I got to hang out with the guitar technician, and that is his view. So the guy on the left is a guy named Tommy Shaw. He's a great guitar player, and in between songs, he would change out his guitars. Well, the guitar technician's job is to make sure all the guitars are in tune, and they're all wiped down, and they look pretty, and they're they're well taken care of. So. He let me, very graciously let me hang out with him that night and was very good to me. Gave me some gifts. He gave me some guitar picks and, and uh, autographed picture of the band and really cool. I got to meet, semi-meet the guy on the left. I didn't want to bother him, but uh, got to be kind of around the band a little bit and close. It was just, you know, one of those moments where if you're me as a kid growing up, you think, man, that'll never happen. And it did. So I, I had a good time. It just makes you feel good when someone extends an invitation to you and says, hey, we would like for you to be a part of this. We, we want to we be in your presence, or we want you to be in our presence. It's, it's just one of those things that makes you feel good. And I want to talk this morning about a very special invitation that is extended to us by God. He's very interested in us. He, he made us. He knows what makes us tick, and he wants a relationship with us. He desires intimate contact with us all the time. David was a, was the psalmist who understood this and conveyed this probably as well as anybody. He understood the idea of an invitation. So it's David who wrote in Psalm 27, "One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. And if these words sound familiar to you, you sang these words this morning, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him" In his temple. One thing I ask. This one thing I'm looking for. I want to dwell in your house and I want to gaze on your beauty all the days of my life. What David is saying is I want an intimate relationship with my heavenly father. I want to know God. That's really what David was saying. So the question for you and for me this morning is this. Is the passion of your heart the pursuit of an intimate relationship with your heavenly father? Is that the passion of your heart, or is your passion a new car, or a new house, or a new diamond, or something that you don't have yet, but once you get it, it's not going to be enough, or is the passion of your heart the pursuit of an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father? I would hope that the answer to that question would be yes, and someone might ask, well Brett, why should that be the passion of my heart? I mean, why would that be the most important thing to me? Why should it be? Well, there, there are two reasons. The first reason that it should be the most important thing to you and the passion of your heart is that it's important to God. God wants it to be the passion of your heart to pursue an intimate relationship with Him. And, and what God wants from us is something that only we can give Him. God wants our time. God wants our heart. He wants our worship. He wants our adoration and our praise. You, you can go ask people, what do you think God wants from you? And I've kind of done that in a roundabout way with people off and on. And what happens is you'll get a response. They're all over the map, the responses, but they basically kind of settle down into one of three channels. If you say, you know, what do you think God wants from you? People basically fall into one of three categories as to what they think God wants from them. The first one is God wants my money. You know, and I've heard it. Really, if I go to church, the preacher is going to ask me for my money. Now, Let me just say this to you. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we are not after your money. And I realize that we just collected an offering, and I wish, I really wish that I could have made these comments before the offering, because here's what I would have said to you, and I would have said this with the full blessing of my elders. If you're a visitor at this church, we do not expect you to participate in our offering. I don't even really think we want you to participate in our offering. Um, You're our guest And we don't want to ask you to come in here and then ask you to reach into your pocket and give us your money. That's not what we're after. However, (laughs) if you call Cross Lane Home, and I'll just do my, um, you might be a redneck if kind of thing here. If you call Cross Lane Home, and this is how you might know that you call Cross Lane Home, our offering is for people who call Cross Lane home. If someone asks you where you go to church and your answer is Cross Lane, you probably ought to participate in the offering. If, if you're going to die one of these days, and that's pretty much 100% of the room, and it's possible that I'm going to do your funeral, which is probably not everybody in the room, but if, if you think when I die, Brett's doing my funeral, you probably should participate in the offering. If if uh, if I'm going to baptize you, then you probably ought to participate in the offering, or else I'll just hold you down to the bubble stop, pretty much. <laughs> if I'm going to marry one of your kids, you say, who's going who's going to do the wedding? Well, you know, our pastor's going to do that. If you would refer to me as your pastor, then you probably should look at this as home, and when the offering goes by, you should probably say, you know, I want to have ownership in that. This is my church this is this is important to me and it's important to God and I want to participate in it but if you're a visitor to us, we don't want you participating in our offering that's for the home folk okay that's that's for those of us who call cross lane home um, god's not after your money God is not after your money, even if you're someone who gives your money faithfully every week, you know this already god's not after that there's something else going on there, and i 'm not going to talk about money anymore but but uh, I could, and I could, I could go a long time talking about what is and isn't the right way to look at God and our money. Some people think what God really wants for me is he just wants to do a complete overhaul of my life. Like, Brett, I know if, if, if I start going to church a lot and, and, and if, if I let him come in, he's just gonna come in and rearrange everything, and, and I won't even recognize it anymore. That's what God wants for me. He wants to, he, he's not happy with anything I do, and he's just going to come in, and he's going to change it in ways that I don't even recognize or understand. And, I, Brett, I don't want that. I don't, I don't like that. And that's what some people think, is that God's just going to change everything in such a way that they, they don't even look like themselves anymore. And I, I really don't think that's what God wants to do. One of the things that's really important for me to say on the heels of that is just to make sure you know, God loves you. He's crazy about you. Just the way you are. Are there some things that he'd like to see change? Absolutely. The same way you'd like to see some things in your kids change. Does it make you love your kids any less? Absolutely not. You're crazy about your kids. God loves you. Third thing people think when you start talking about, well, if I'm going to pursue God with my whole heart, what's that going to look like? People say, oh, no, I can't do that, Brett, because God wants me to be a missionary. He's going to send me to Africa. I know it. If I, if I let him come in and I really get involved in the church thing, if I really pursue God and really give myself to him, that I'm going to have to be a missionary to Africa or some place like that that I don't want to go. Or maybe it's even worse than that. Maybe he might ask me to go work in kids' adventure at Cross Lane. You know? And you're thinking, he's going to lock me in a room with like 30 kids are going to jack him up on Mountain Dew and Snickers bars and pipe some, some, you know, some air into the room just to keep me alive. You know, and it's like, Brett, please don't make me go to kids' adventure. That's not what God wants to do to you. Brett, if I really get serious about my pursuit with God, one of those three things is going to happen. Some people think, well, he's going to make me do ministry. Let me tell you something about ministry. You can't really be made to do this, okay? You better be called to do do this. The people that I've ever met that were in ministry that felt like it was something that they had to do, stunk at it. They were horrible at it they were never happy they were never fulfilled they were never they weren't joyful servants they had an attitude they didn't like people you know sundays would roll around and you kind of got to ramp them up to get them going like you know go do your thing and then through the rest of the week it was just you didn't you, they didn't seem to be all that happy and so i don't recommend ministry to anybody that that isn't called to it um, i resisted ministry for a while I've told you this story my pastor and my youth pastor when I was growing up I went to a great church and I had some gifts for ministry and it was pretty obvious to everybody that knew me except me and my preacher and youth pastor said hey you've got gifts for ministry you should you should consider going off and studying to go into the ministry and I thought good lord no I mean you got to get in front of people and talk and who wants to do that right I mean nobody wants to do that but so they and I said as much, you know, I don't want to do that. And so my preacher and my youth pastor, and we're still friends, believe it or not, after they did this to me, they started praying for me. You know what they prayed? This was their prayer. Lord, please make Brett so miserable that he has no choice but to go into ministry. And that's how you got me. I'm sorry. But people think what God wants most for me is he wants my money, he wants He wants to come in and completely rearrange my life so that I don't even recognize it anymore. Or he's going to make me do something that I don't want to do, like maybe go to Africa and be a missionary. Brett, I don't want to do that. That is not what God wants from you. It's not. Here's what he wants from you He wants our affection. He wants our affection. He doesn't want your church attendance, He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your songs, not if they're not attached to your affection. If you give him money and there's no affection, keep it, he would say. If you're going to sing to me and there's no meaning or there's no affection behind the words that you sing, shut up. I mean, if you're going to try to offer him some kind of half-hearted glory, forget that. God's not interested in any of that. What God wants more than anything else from us is our affection. And it's something that only we can give to him. No one else can give God your sense of awe. No one else can give God the love that you have for him. No one else can give God your sense of praise and what he's done for you and your life and what he's done in your heart. No one else can do that but you. Only you can do that. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Here's what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said there's a second one, and it's like the first one. and are pretty much, they're equal. Um, The second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So on these two things, all the law hinges. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So basically what Jesus is saying is, if you want to take all the prophets, all the stuff, everything, and sum it up, If you wanted to sum this book up, here's how you sum it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you do it. And he would say, the rest of this is how do you do that? What does it look like when people start to try to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind? And how how do they love their neighbor as themselves? That's what the Bible's about. There's a verse, Micah 6, verse 8. I want to touch on that a little bit this morning. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, your Bible may say, He has shown you, O man, two things. What is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And then He comes behind that with a list of three things to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. It's an invitation. It was an invitation to the entire nation of Israel. It it was an invitation to the common man. It's an invitation to you and me to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You could build a whole religious system, and some people have, just on the first two of those. Act justly, love mercy. You, you, You could build a great ministry on that, on just being good and acting justly and doing good things, and on loving mercy and you know, which is just basically to love people. But God says, that's not enough. That third thing is really important. I want you to really be about, I want you to walk humbly with me. God says, the first two are really great. Love justice, absolutely I want you to love justice, or love justly. Love mercy, act merciful, yes, I want you to do that as well, that's important. But if you don't get that third part, if you don't walk humbly with me, You're never going to do those other two things the way I really, really want you to do them. The biggie is walk humbly with me. God says, I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. Where you go, I want to go. If you go golfing, I want to walk down the 8th fairway with you. If if when you're walking into your office complex to go to work, I want to go in there with you. Take me into your cubicle. If, If you're going to go to school, I want to be in school with you. Students, you're going to hear things said by your friends and by teachers and adults and other people, and God says, I want to be with you so that you you know that I'm there and that I'm a part of your life. Walk with me as you spend time with your family. Walk with me as you make your living. Walk with me in your leisure. If you've got a boat and you're going out on the lake, I want to go with you. If you camp, I want to do that with you. God would say, I want to be a part of it. Jeremiah chapter 9 says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. He says, if you're wise... If you're strong, if you're rich, and you want to boast in all that stuff, don't boast in that stuff. If you're going to boast about anything God says, I want you to boast about knowing me. That's what I want you to boast about. So you should be in pursuit of God because it's what God wants, A, but but B, it's important to you and me. We should be pursuing God because it's important to you and me. Psalm 63 says this. David wrote, You, God, are my God, Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. God, I want to know you, and I thirst for you the same way that if I was a man in the desert and I hadn't had water, I want to know you the same way that that man in the desert would long for water. I want to put that in me. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you have for me in my life. David understood a principle that I think it would be good for us to learn. I don't know that we always understand this principle. It's the crater principle. The crater principle says this, that inside every one of us is a hole, a crater, that only God can fill. We try to put all different kinds of things in that crater. As human beings, I have watched people and I've watched myself try to put any number of things in a hole that was totally designed for God and nothing else. People will try to put alcohol in there, drugs, sex, shopping, money, children, pets, success. There are so many things that we have tried to fill that hole with. Food, but they're not gonna work. Listen to me. Whenever you try to put in that hole In that God-shaped crater in your soul, when you try to fill that with anything other than God, it is going to leave you lacking. You're not going to feel fulfilled. You can pursue all the cars, all the diamonds, all the babies, all the sex, whatever is your thing, you can put that in there and it's not going to last and it's going to leave you lacking. And you're going to ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Because that crater was created by God and it is meant only for him to fill. God says that's a place that I will take in your life and no one else. With me, if you'll know me, you'll be fulfilled, you'll be satisfied. You won't go through life wondering where the next thrill is going to come from. Have you ever seen somebody, maybe you know somebody, maybe I'm describing you and you don't want anybody to know it, that's always looking for the next big thrill, like the next big thing, where's it going to be? i got to have the next big thing in my life. What's the next big thing? See, when you've got God, there doesn't have to be a next big thing. God is the big thing. And you just draw from that. You're filled up with knowing who God is. God would say, only I know how to fill that crater. In the Psalms, he said, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. You sang that this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the land of from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. And what he's gonna do here is he's gonna basically show the haves and the have-nots, those who are getting it right and those who aren't. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. This is addressing the crater principle. Making the pursuit of God the passion of our lives is good because A, it's what God wants, and B, it's what we need. We're starving for it, and we oftentimes don't even know it we don't even recognize it and what happens is if you live your life and you don't ever really figure out how to put god in that crater what happens is you get to your you know halfway through your life and you start looking around and you say is this all there is i thought there was going to be more than this i I thought that that my life would be richer i thought it would be fuller you're recognizing at that point the crater that exists in you and god crying out to you i want to fill that place in you. I want to talk about four things this morning. I want to talk about a principle, a challenge, a warning, and a benefit. <clears throat> a benefit. The principle is this there is a difference between information and experience. That's the principle. There's a difference between information and experience. Someone here would say, I know God. I go to church every Sunday. I I give a little money to the offering. I sing all the songs. I say my prayers. I know God. I have a cross I wear around my neck. I know God. Information is different than experience. You can have all the information about God and not know God. I've met people who could blow me away with their Bible knowledge. They know way more Bible than me. But it was clear by watching them interact with people that they had no idea who God was because they wouldn't treat people that way because that's not how God would treat people. The best way for me to illustrate this principle to you is with this box. Many of you, how many of you got your donut coming in this morning? Did you get it? Um, I'm a little disappointed this morning because this is not really what I, I mean, I wanted what's inside I wanted it packaged a little differently. Usually, we got these this morning from a place over in Indy that's a big, it's where they make them in bulk, and so they put them in these boxes. But when you go into the Krispy Kreme store and you order a dozen glazed donuts, or any kind for that matter, they put them in what they call the flat box. So I wanted the flat box because it's more authentic to my experience, but I'm just being a diva at that point. So... I have been known to drive over an hour for what's in here, okay? Um, I happen to think that this may be one of the greatest things of the earthly kingdom. Not the heavenly kingdom, okay? Not the heavenly kingdom. It's a separate deal. But the things that we get to experience on the earth, this ranks pretty high up there for me. And if you don't think so, we'll pray for you after church. But What's in this box is really important to me. Um, Krispy Kreme started in Winston-Salem, North Carolina in 1937. I have never been to the original store in Winston-Salem, although I'm sure it's nice. I have been to the, a huge store in Atlanta, Georgia on Ponce de Leon Street. It's what we affectionately around here. We refer to it affectionately as the Mothership. I have been to the Mothership. Uh, it's a huge place. We were at Catalyst Conference, one of the first years we ever went. We had like 15 16 people with us you know a couple of vans and we we just kind of moved like an amoeba throughout the city and and we wanted crispy creams it was late at night we'd been going all night we had conference and we ate out and then it was time to we decided we were going to trace down the donuts and it took us a while to find them so we finally found them on, on Ponce de Leon Street I'm talking about inner city Atlanta in a not so nice part of town um, some nefarious characters kind of wandering around all over we didn't care about any of that. We had a donut mission, so we, we went on in and we got our donuts. We didn't care. Um, you can go to the Krispy Kreme website. I want to put that on the screen for you so that you can find that. <laughs> www.crispycream.com. You can go there and you can find out all about all the different flavors of donuts that they've got. They, they make a chocolate iced, sprinkled donut. Beautiful donut. They have a vanilla iced version of that as well. They have a chocolate iced raspberry filled donut they got your basic custard filled donut um they they got a donut they they've got they've got a chocolate covered cream filled donut or as i like to refer to it as just death by donut is what that is (laughs) they make them in a heart if you want them in a heart they've got them in heart shape for you But really, it's all about the glazed donut, just your basic, simple glazed donut. You can go online. You can find out where they've got all the different stores. Terre Haute doesn't have a Krispy Kreme, to my chagrin. Um, We don't measure up. We have to be a city of at least 100,000, and we have to have somebody willing to fork out big money for three different donut stores, and uh, we just don't have anybody willing to do that. If you are that person, come see me. When I was in college, the closest Krispy Kreme to my dormitory was a half hour away. A half hour. I I went to school in Knoxville, Tennessee. So it was basically on the other side of Knoxville, and I went to a Christian college. So I had a curfew. My curfew was 11 o'clock at night on the weekdays, and the girls' curfew was at 1030. And I won't even, i just say that just to make the girls mad, but. Um, the girls hated that, but we got to stay out a half hour later because it took us a half hour to walk from their dorm to ours, I guess. So we were going to go get, we we're going to go on a, what we called a donut run. We had to have some donuts before curfew. So a buddy and I decided to get in his pickup truck and he was from Tennessee and we were going to try to make the donut run the half hour two and front, half hour two half hour back. We left at 10 after 10. Yeah. Uh, and we drove so fast that he had me scared to death. I was hunkered down in the floorboard of his truck, basically, afraid of what I was seeing. We went so fast. We did make it back before curfew, and we got our donuts. Want to hear the Krispy Kreme promise? I've got it for you. You can go to the website. It's not on there anymore. Um, it used to be on there, and I got it a long time ago off the website. But here's the Krispy Kreme promise. Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Has been making donuts of the highest quality from a carefully guarded secret recipe since 1937. We promise to continue to make good tasting, high quality products because that's what you expect and deserve, and that's what we expect of ourselves. Now, you gotta like a company that starts out their mission statement with a promise to you that they're gonna deliver. The very best they can they don't start with a disclaimer they don't start with an apology they start with a promise and they say you deserve it and we expect it of ourselves you can buy Krispy Kreme gear you can go online you can buy t-shirts ironically not anymore you can't buy 2x which is a problem for me because I'm a 2x kind of guy but You can go buy gear, you can buy hats, you can buy mugs, Krispy Kreme stuff, but it's really about the glazed donut. You can be driving down the road and have just eaten your Thanksgiving dinner, probably wouldn't be able to do this, they'd be closed, but if they were open, you can be driving down the road and, and be full of Thanksgiving dinner, and if they've got the light turned on, then... You're gonna, that that indicates, that light indicates that they're taking hot donuts off the glazer. Okay, I'm gonna show you that in just a minute. I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you. I've been known to cross three lanes of busy traffic in a 15 passenger van loaded down with your children in it. Because we saw a sign, we saw this sign, which has three of the greatest words on it. Actually, it doesn't have the one word it really needs to have, hot donuts now, right? We saw the sign. That sign indicates they're serving hot Krispy Kreme donuts. If you ever drive by a Krispy Kreme store and you see that light, it's kind of like a moth to a flame. There's just like this magnetic force that forces your car to pull in to the Krispy Kreme store to get those, and, and three of the greatest words in the English language, say them with me, hot donuts now. Yes. Followed by the best four words after that, all you can eat. But, now I know that some of you are square donut fans, right? I know that. I had a good friend of mine ask me this morning, are you taking shots at Krispy, at uh, square donuts this morning? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not here to cast any aspersions on square donuts it's not my point i'm simply trying to say i love the crispy cream donut and so let me show you whenever we take the the people to catalyst we get out we we go all day th- to conference and then we go eat at dave and buster's and after dave and buster's we drive around a little bit let things settle we go to the game room and let things settle and then we come and we see this we go in. My son was with me when I shot this video and he said, I want to stick my face in that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Bennett said when he saw those donuts coming out of there. He's a, he's a man after my own heart. I'm telling you what's a fact. I've taken people into the store that were like square donut fans and generally when they say that, what they're comparing is the square donut to a, like a donut that they bought in the in the gas station right you can't do that you got to have that you got to i mean you got to get it to where it's so hot you can't hardly hang on to it to where it's so hot that when you go to pick it up it squishes because the pressure of your fingers trying to hold it it (laughs) kind of you just you can't hold it and I've watched people who, you know, I've asked them, have you ever had a hot Krispy Kreme? No, I haven't. It can't be that special. And I'm like, okay, let's go in. And so we go into the store. Everybody else goes in. They buy like, you know, they go, amateurs, they go in and buy two or three, right? Can I have a sack of donuts, kind of just a couple, two or three? I go in and order a case, like like a dozen. Give me a dozen, sometimes two, because I'm going to take some home with me. And I, I, I'm good. I share. I go to people, have you ever had one of these? No, I've never had one. And I share them. <laughs> That's, I've got my wet rag up here too. <laughs> and I hand them that donut out of the flat box and they put it in their mouth and their eyes roll back in their head. You know, like, oh, that is so good. But the folks at Krispy Kreme do not make donuts so we can wear T-shirts about them. They don't make Krispy Kreme donuts so that they can have a website. They don't make Krispy Kreme so they can sell you a coffee mug or tell you what the promise is. The folks at Krispy Kreme donuts do this so that you can get a hold of that right there. Oh, dear Lord, that's good. (laughs) They do it so that you can get one of these donuts and put it in your mouth. Mm. How many of you got your donut? You know I'm going to do this, right? I had a guy in first service walk out and he said, I'm in the presence of greatness. (laughs) He said, you did that in three bites. You should go into the eating hall of fame. The people at Krispy Kreme make these donuts so that you can take it and you can put it in your mouth and you can see how good it is. So you can understand why David, the psalmist, in Psalm 34 wrote, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And as you already know, I thought of you too, and I made sure that we all had donuts this morning, so enjoy those. But when it comes to God, do you do, you do that with God? Do you put him in your mouth and chew him up and see just how good he is and does he fill your soul so that when you're living out your days you go you know what god i've been through an awful lot of stuff and there's some things going on even right now that i don't understand but even over all that you are so good or you somebody that is kind of like the person who knows the Krispy Kreme promise and knows where the Krispy Kreme store is and you may even have a t-shirt and you may even say, yeah, I got some Krispy Kremes out in the trunk, but I haven't really eaten any of the donuts. Is that kind of what you're like with God? You see, you can know all about God and not know God. Because if you're not in pursuit of an intimate relationship with him, then you do not know what it is to have that God-shaped crater filled with the creator of the universe and the one who loves you more than anybody else. People say, I know God. I, I go to church occasionally and I pray sometimes and I know God. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth whereby we are propelled to move beyond just information but where we get to a place where we experience who God is because, he is because he is filling us up, that crater in our heart and in our soul that only he can fill. Are we at that place where we say, you know, I get, we get that way with food. I got to get one of these in here. Do we say that to God? I got to get you in here. I got to figure out how to do that. I'm desperate to make that happen. God, I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want you to fill this hole that's in my soul. So there's a principle, there's a challenge, and the challenge is not an easy thing because it's true that if it's true that there's a God who wants this relationship with us, then it is also true that there is an enemy who does not want to see that happen. That's the challenge. That, that, that one exists. He may even encourage that we do acts of kindness. He may encourage acts of justice and acts of mercy and acts of love. He may encourage all that, but it's that third part that he doesn't want you to do. It's the third part to walk humbly with your God. He's like, I don't want you doing that. You can do the other things and get filled up with a sense of self, but when you walk humbly with your God, then it's about your relationship with God, and the devil would say, I don't want you doing that. It's a spiritual challenge. And can I just say, it's a spiritual challenge for me. You know, the fact that I'm a pastor does not make me immune from this. I can be tempted just like you to put the wrong things in that God-shaped hole. Sometimes really good things. Things that you would look at me as a pastor that I'm doing, you'd say, well, those are really good things. Yes, they are. But they're not things that can take the place of God. And the challenge for me and the challenge for you is to constantly make sure that we're putting the right thing in that God-shaped hole. And the only thing that fits that hole is God himself. So there's a principle, there's a challenge, and there's a warning. Here's the warning. Don't miss out on God. Acts of mercy, yes. Acts of justice, yes. Good things. God would say very good things, but walk humbly with God. Don't miss out on the opportunity that is afforded us and the invitation that is extended to us to enter into a relationship with God whereby we know him and he knows us. No one else can respond to the God invitation for you. God extends it specifically to you, especially for you. No one can can respond to God's invitation to you except you. It would be a tremendous tragedy to hear him say at the end of our days, you held out on me. You withheld your affection from me. It's a warning. Not only do we hold out on God, but we hold out on ourselves. We are robbed. When we do not put God in the crater of our soul, we rob ourselves of one of the most fulfilling relationships that we'll ever have. So there's a principle, there's a challenge, there's a warning, and there's a benefit. The benefit. I would take you back to that passage in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good, Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I take you back to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemy, it, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear; though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. You know, you hear people talking all the time about what's going to happen in our presidential election? What's going to happen in our country? What's going to happen with the wars? What's going to happen? Oh my, what's going to happen? You know Jesus. God loves you. And should we worry about things? No. Should we be concerned and watch and vote and should we do our part and try to help where we can? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, If you know God and you're confident God loves you, then walk with confidence that he is in charge of your life. Something amazing happens when we get into a relationship with God and we let him fill that crater. We begin to walk around and we start to understand what life is really about and what our calling is and what we're supposed to be about and what we're supposed to do. And we understand that all these things that go on around us that may threaten other people, they don't threaten us. Because our souls are filled with the right things. And we know him on such a level that all the people who are walking around with that crater unfilled, they just look at us and they go, man, how are you doing that? I wish my life looked like that. I wish when I went through things that you're going through that my life reflected that kind of patience and that kind of assurance and that kind of calm. How are you doing that? God's in that crater that only he can fill? You hear people say, man, there's just something different about them. And the difference is what's been put in the crater. Because that person genuinely knows God because they've taken the time to allow God to fill that place. They haven't tried to fill it with shopping or food or some substance or something. When we go to Catalyst, like I said, we, we go a full day at Catalyst, and then we get out about 5 o'clock. And then we go, on the first night, we go to Dave & Buster's, which is a great big restaurant there close to our, our conference center. And then we eat a great meal together as a, as a team, and then we, they have a big game room. So we go play in the game room for a little bit because we've got to let that food die down, right? we gotta, it's got to pack. We start shaking our legs and things to make sure it gets in all the right places. And, and then we go get in the van, and we go to the Krispy Kreme store. And when I do that, I go into the Krispy Kreme store, and I told you, I order like a dozen at least. And people look at me like, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. You're crazy if you don't order a dozen. So I order that dozen donuts, and I share with people, but I eat as many of those as I can. I eat them until I'm almost sick. Have you ever done that, eating something so sugary, nice, good, that you fill up and it's like, ugh. That's what I do. I eat them until I couldn't eat another one if my life depended on it. That's the relationship that God is after with us. That's the invitation that God extends to you. Fill yourself up with me to the point that you couldn't put any more of me in you, and I will change your life. And I will begin to show you the things that matter, and you'll see what doesn't matter. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an invitation. I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning, and I offer you an invitation on his behalf. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he says, here's what I want from you. I want you to act justly. I want you to love mercy. I want you to walk humbly with your God. Christ came to this planet for no other reason than to build a bridge from us to God. Open the box, taste and see that the Lord is good. Only God can fill the crater because only he knows what you need. Another boat isn't going to do it. Another car isn't going to do it. Another shopping trip or another vacation to Disney is not going to fill that hole in your heart. That is reserved for God alone. And until you put him there, you will never know what a relationship with God really, really feels like. Now, i got to wrap this thing up. If you're here and you've never made a commitment to Christ, I realize that you are thinking, okay, this is where the preacher does the ninja stuff. I don't want to do that to you. I just simply, I know enough about visitors to this church to know this. I hear this all the time. Brett, you had me thinking. Brett, you had me thinking. Okay, if you're thinking then take the next step, which is to reach out to somebody. I would love to talk to you. I'm not going to pressure you. I just want to talk to you and help you to work through some of the things maybe that you've got going on in your life or your heart. If, if you don't want to talk to me, talk to one of our staff people. If you don't want to talk to one of them, talk to one of our elders or, or the person that brought you to church or someone that you know that goes to church here. Somebody can help you with this. But don't go another day where you just put off this thing of where you know God's calling your name. And you know he's knocking on the door of your heart and you say, no, not today, not today. Make it today. And let God come into your life and do things magically. Awesome things for you and your family. Let's pray together. God, we have had fun this morning talking about Krispy Kremes and I realized that I took it over the top this morning. I did it on purpose. I did it to make a point. God, I really did it to try and capture people's imaginations for you, not donuts. Donuts are going to pass away. All the great things that you put in life for us to enjoy, they're all going to burn. They're all going to pass away. The thing that is going to remain is what what we have put in that God-shaped hole, and it only remains if it's you. So, Father, I pray for us as a group. There's a lot of people in this room that love you, that want to walk daily with you, and it's a struggle because they're trying to put other things in that hole. We all do it. Father, I pray that you would help us to focus in to put you in that crater and only you. And Father, for the one who's here today and they're a visitor and they're wondering what in the world is going on, what we really want them to know is that you loved them so much that you sent Jesus to die to forgive their sin so that they could be set free and they could walk for the rest of their days never having to worry about their place with you. That is the great news, Father, and that's why we rejoice and we sing this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, we all say, Amen.